0: Hey, Film Files, what's happening? Thanks for tuning in again. We're glad you're with us. We're, we're here together for the next hour, so let's let's make the most of it. We have some new faces in the studio with us tonight. We'll meet them in a second. And uh, we'll talk about our movie, although it's more of a theme. Um, so I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Ben Snowden.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse Poland. And I'm Dakota Kuhlman.
0: Yeah, and tonight we decided that we're going to do... Remake nights.
2: and Yippee. Yeah. be we... for some,
3: boo for others. Yeah, with <laughs> boo, oddly for most. Yeah. With, with
0: Stu out of the weather, he was never keen on this idea, but me and Ben have been uh, wanting to do this for a while. So we thought, what better vessel than the 2012 film Total Recall to use? So that's going to be our thing, and expect some tangents ahead, because... Uh, yep. We're gonna build from there. You're this. listening to Movie Show Theater. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight?
3: What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the
0: pod bay doors now. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You want the moon?
1: Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. What's your favorite
4: scary movie? Have you ever seen a grown man naked? thou
0: gloppy bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil!
4: You water-faced,
0: half-witted, scrumpy-looking nerve herder!
1: This
4: is Movie, show, theater.
0: So I watched part of each one a couple days ago, and then I watched the endings of both of them today. I felt really bad for the remake and any remake in general, because your goal is to try to stand apart and like make a new vision. And like with uh, Total Recall, I just love the whole construct of the story. And the remake, the 2012 version is a movie based on a movie based on a short story. And as I'm going back and watching the 1990 version, I realized that this movie is my my judgment is clouded by nostalgia, hmm. you know? And to say that the 1990 version was kind of cheesy, I can't use today's values and technological achievements and then apply them to a movie from 1990. You know what I mean? I think the special effects in the, the 90 version were way better.
2: I think I'm, they still hold up, and a lot of times that's what's happening when you're going back to look at a movie from... I guess you could call it a different era if they hired the right people the traditional makeup and the traditional effects will look better than cgi that's thrown together just because you know when you when you see that it's like you're watching a video game instead of a movie
4: yeah
3: i think it was just such a massive spectacle too you know like the first one they i feel like with that they're trying to stay true to the 90s really big action packed films whereas the new one just tried to be it, it felt like they were trying to take it a little too seriously and make it more like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of had, like, even the shots of them running through the city, the way the city looked, everything just came off as kind of like, we're going to take a campy, typical Arnold Schwarzenegger, action-packed 90s movie and turn it into, um, you know, a film that's similar to Blade Runner. I think what's interesting is where uh, Total Recall failed Dread succeeded because Dread was exactly you kind of pair those next to each other, Dread and Total Recall, you know, two big action hero names. It's it's full of that kind of that campy '90s feel and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you guys said, not the CGI that's really kind of put in there. It's all practical effects. But then they bring it to a much more serious you know level, and Total Recall just kind of fell off the you know it, it didn't it didn't work. Yeah. Whereas Dread worked perfectly. Yeah,
0: I like Dread. So then it becomes a matter of remakes versus reboots because mm-hmm. the story and the plot of 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 Dread and Judge Dread are obviously worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Where I think where the the nineteen ninety four whatever version it was with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Rob Schneider is that they put so much emphasis on staying lighthearted and yeah. and keeping that humor in. I mean, it's such an incredibly it's a dark world and it's a dark plot. Now I'm talking about dread,
4: mm. but
0: yeah, it's a, it's such a dark environment that to have that sort of humor is just it's it's inappropriate. Yeah, and it's distracting, and Rob Schneider sucks.
1: <laughs> so
0: I don't I don't know there.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, the new Total Recall where it failed is is following the storyline pretty well, but then they're like, hey, let's not take them to Mars.
3: Yeah, oh, I, I, I really thing. why yeah. you blabbed you blabbed about Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I was really upset about that, too, uh,
0: when I found out they're not going to Mars. I think I didn't see it for four years because I knew they weren't going to Mars. But then it's really sad because uh, I was watching this interview with Bob Odenkirk talking about Better Call Saul. And this interviewer was like, when are we going to get a Walter White walk on? When are we going to get some Breaking Bad Easter eggs? And he got mad. He was like, this isn't Breaking Bad. It takes place in the same city, but this is our own show <laughs> (laughs) Mm -hmm. They don't want people to always be thinking about Breaking Bad, you know? I mean, other than the fact that it was five years ago, it's like, you don't want a show that's always going to be in somebody's shadow, and like, how close to this other show can we get? So I kind of like that about Total Recall, is that they weren't afraid to make it their own, probably knowing, you know, it's the guy that did uh, Les Wiseman, who did the Underworld movies. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like it. It Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Some things didn't. I I think, play well
2: I think what they tried to do and then what ended up happening were two very separate things because when the movie first started this being the total recall remake I was really intrigued with the direction they would take I liked you know the the moment when um, he gets back to the apartment and it turns out his wife is working for the government I thought okay well this could this could really lead to something bigger and better but what happened was it just ended up being essentially one big chase scene after that, mm-hmm. which some movies can get away with that, but this one just went on too long. I mean, there's some stuff I really liked with the design of the world. Uh, the I guess you could call them the cube-shaped elevators. Oh, yeah. Those are really awesome. That scene was really good. I liked the, the flying car scene where the car is the falling, fall, whatever and it's it called. uses its, uh, its jets and then crushes another car. That was well mm-hmm. done, but then it's just moments like that, and... You're comparing that with the rest of the films, just well, pretty forgettable. they like it reached a certain point where I really don't care who this agent works mm-hmm. for. He doesn't know. Nobody seems to know who he works for. Yeah. Uh,
3: you know what I just realized that reminded me of Minority Report. Oh, yeah. and Everything that's, what, that's what I kept felt thinking, like a carbon copy of Minority Report. Yeah, like the whole I, the whole
0: uh, <clears throat> concept because Minority Report was almost all during the day, and most of Total Recall was at night. But they had. To Blade Runner, they weren't even, like, influenced. They were just, like, straight-up homages, which is, like, Hollywood talk for rip-off. But the scene where he goes out onto his balcony, and he's sipping coffee, and it has that little pan out into the world, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I mean, almost the same angle as when Deckard uh, goes out. And then when he's playing the piano. piano.
3: yeah which i thought yeah that's 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 interesting that's okay but i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna pull those things pull it from the original yeah from so many other films that you're just like okay i'm starting to see where they cut i mean even like the color tones a lot of the angles um it's the whole scene when he's walking around um the bars and stuff reminded me like straight out of blade runner when he's walking along the streets and everybody's got their umbrellas with the um the, the the neon it, lights inside of them. It's just the whole thing just kind of poured from one movie into another.
0: Yeah, it was almost like it didn't quite know what kind of movie it wanted to be.
3: I will admit I really did like a lot of the tech in there. I love Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I absolutely love the idea of the... I remember when I was a kid and I drew some sort of design for a cell phone that was going to be implanted in their hand. Mm-hmm. And when they pulled that out, I was like, oh, that was my idea. But yeah, I was glad should've... somebody had done it well. Yeah, I've never seen that before. Um, but the other thing that was cool was the... Uh, I. Yeah, I was mad that they didn't go to Mars, but the whole idea of having two points on Earth where they did, what was it called, the drop, where they mm-hmm. had that just yeah. giant elevator system that went through the center of the Earth, um, I, that, that actually was really cool. I, I liked the, the
2: gun that shot those mm-hmm. almost eyeball-sized cameras. I thought that was a really great idea. But that's the thing. It's like this movie has all these really small moments that don't really add
3: up. Yeah, it's a, visually, it's a cool, visually stunning movie. But a movie is only so good as its story. Mm-hmm, you know? yeah. And this lacked that.
0: And I think, too, I think it's funny. The, I kept thinking Minority Report the whole time. And then I had to laugh because the original Blade Runner novel was written by Philip K. Dick. Total Recall was originally written by Philip K. Dick. And Minority, Minority Report was also written by Philip K. Dick. <laughs> and so the whole thing is just a tribute to Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. So I was watching Total Recall. And I didn't realize how important that cheesy humor is until you watch the remake. When I was watching the remake, I, I missed it and I missed that lightheartedness. Like the guy who plays uh, the original 1990 version, who uh, he was like a used car salesman who was trying to sell the packages to. Oh, was it the cab, Arnold the Schwarzenegger cab or
3: something like that? Yeah,
0: it's the guy that worked at Recall.
3: Oh, hit yeah.
0: And he he walks up and he's just has sleazeball written all over him. I love the way that they did that. But yeah, so, some of my favorite movies are so protected by my childhood, mm-hmm. and I love them so much that for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. if you're going to map out the movie, they're not good. Like, I can watch Face Off at any time. Yeah. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. I love Con Air. I love Congo. Movies like Total Recall, like at the very end when Arnold Schwarzenegger, he puts his hand on the alien handprint, and he just, like, parts his hand, and that's it. uh uh-huh. And the computer's <laughs> like, oh, yep, that's a match. <laughs> you just have to make the basic shape of the of the handprint. <clears> you know, there's all you gotta do is Spock.
2: Yeah. Works, so
0: but... I don't know. There's there's holes all over the place, but uh it just I guess it depends on the difference of years from the original to the remake. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to satisfy original fans or if you're trying to like Turn people on, trying to get people who have never heard of the original Total Recall.
3: Do you know? See, going back to the technology, I think um, something that was a little bit more prevalent in that time was the idea that we were just starting to get back into the the space race a little bit more Mm -hmm. in the 90s. We were starting to kind of go more. I mean, think about the movies that started to come out in the 90s. You had Total Recall, uh, Red Planet, uh, uh, Mission to Mars. Armageddon. uh, Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Deep Impact. Mars Attacks. Uh, Mars Attacks. All these things. <laughs> well, oh, Independence Mars. Day. Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Independence and, Day was, like yeah. 94 or something and like that? Star Trek started making a... Like, Star Trek Next Generation started making a huge push with mm-hmm. the movie. So, it's the space thing just started really becoming a lot more pre- prevalent, at least with the whole Mars angle. And I think the reason why they did what they did with Total Recall, the remake, with the whole kind of corporate espionage, you know secret military organizations that are trying to, you know, hack into the workforces because that was a little bit more grounded in what's happening today. Yeah. Um, So I can kind of see that angle. But I agree that, I mean, as far as the whole Mars thing, I would would imagine the movie with the technology that they had, what they were able to do visually, and taking that to Mars. That would have been pretty amazing. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It, it it almost seems like it's just too much to take on. Every All the ideas that they had for the 2012 version and then they add going to Mars. It's mm-hmm. like we can either do a lot of ideas kind of well or we can do a couple ideas really well.
3: Should have done a part one and part two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they should have. So I was looking at some other uh, remakes. There's the ones that everybody's probably familiar with like Psycho. Um, the remake came out in 1998. They were 38 years apart. The original and the uh, remake, Scarface. I don't think a lot of people realize was a movie from 1932, mm-hmm. and then they remade it, and that was 51 years apart. That we're was talking
3: the... about remaking it again. I think with Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, is who they were talking about, and I was like, mm, <laughs> some things you don't want to. Michael know, just...
1: Bay's been attached to it. I mean, there's been yeah, a that's. Lot... I know. I... I always
0: go back and forth with yeah my with my opinion on the remakes, like Poltergeist. I you find out that they're remaking a the movie that you really like and then you get really excited and then as that sits in you're like wait a minute no
3: yeah no
2: i don't ever get excited i don't think yeah, anybody you, was excited you, do, you get really systems. good about that yeah. it's more about it's more like morbid curiosity
3: yeah cuz you're interested to see you know like ah maybe it's an interesting take maybe it's somebody who is an actual fan of the original then you realize it's just whatever that studio is trying to you know re- they know that no mm-hmm. matter what um, if it's parents who really enjoyed the original, or people you know, our age who really enjoyed the original, once they bring in the new generation, they know that no matter what, the younger people are going to see it because they're like, oh, we heard them never shut up about this, mm-hmm. so we're obviously going to go see it. And then there's that, like you said, morbid curiosity where we're just like, oh, I'm going to be pissed if they ruined it, but I know they did, mm-hmm. and... Plus, it's 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 generally what happens.
2: One wrinkle in the system, too, is that with superhero films, uh, especially with what Fox is doing, um, you can almost reboot them infinitely because you have almost an infinite number of storylines to draw from. So you almost ask what even constitutes a remake now. Like with the X Men franchise, it was more of a soft reboot, but after um, Last Stand, which a lot of people didn't like, they essentially went with, you know, okay, here's first class, and we're moving in a different direction with it.
3: Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, I mean, if you want to, you could even do an immediate reboot with something like Fantastic Four because they've never gotten it right. So Yeah, yeah. yeah that you new
0: know. one just, what, like two years ago, the new one came out? It was last year.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it, last it summer. bombed
3: so bad that it got an even lower, uh, did worse at the box office than the original. Well, actually, no. The second one was Silver Surfer, which nobody was excited for, and it's just mm-hmm. that well, I know what happened with that. I mean, we were kind of talking about that with the the executive producers that yeah, took I over. I mean,
1: it's one of those things where if you don't let the director stride after the date, like the day that you're supposed to shoot, and then the studio comes and steps in, and goes, "Hold on, wait a minute," you literally see Fantastic Four did terrible in the studio. Interrupted. Then you see Deadpool, where the studio didn't even mess with it because how much money they put in it wasn't enough to even care. Mm-hmm. And it made so much more money because it had this
3: carefree spirit. There's yeah. a lot of plot holes in Deadpool, and it works. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is with like the Fantastic Four movie, I mean, if you listen to what the director wanted to do, he's like, I don't want to make a superhero movie. What I want to do is I want to make a sci-fi horror movie. I want to make this um, be... Because, honestly, the Fantastic Four, they're not they are not superheroes originally. They're adventurers, and that's mm-hmm. what he wanted to focus on. He said his main inspiration was David Cronenberg's The Fly. Speaking of remakes, remakes right? that's a phenomenal remake, mm-hmm. which is a, almost kind of rebooting reboot in itself. Yeah. But with that, he he had a very clear idea of what he wanted. And, of course, like he said with the money thing, once those executive producers come in, they're like more interested in, like, well, nope, we got to do this, this, this. In order to make it match our pockets. Um, and then the director's kind of like, well, it's either the $15 million that I get in the paycheck or my vision. <sighs> <sighs> well,
2: I need okay. an extra pool in my third house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, some of the stuff, too, it's just mind boggling how you can screw up Doctor Doom. Again. In general, but not just in general, more than once. It's like, hey, he's going to be this computer hacker. It's just like, whose idea is this? Like, who thought that would be a good idea? I mean, I bet you could have a way to make it work, but it almost feels like that, you know, there was somebody higher up who's, who had that idea as kind of his baby, and it's just like, hey, we're financially controlling this. Make Dr. Doom a hacker. Yeah. All right.
3: <laughs> it's just like, Dr. Doom... And the whole Latveria thing, and the the Doom bots, and all that stuff, and him being like this combination between Iron Man and a wizard, and all that (laughs) stuff, and then them just throwing that out, and like, right there, that's amazing! You could go so far with that. And it just, it's another thing where you you just have that, I don't know, what would you call that? Like a reboot to the reboot that got booted to the curb. <laughs>
0: it's, it's like they need to hire it's like the studios need to hire a secret panel of proven comic book nerds yeah. that also have some sort of writing ability they have to like have a criteria you know an application of sorts and get this group of people together and be like what what should, what should we try to take on this <laughs> is the money that we have this is what we can come up with cg wise what should we do because
3: gonna, gonna consist of kevin feige uh kevin smith All the Kevins.
0: Yeah. So the other thing I was thinking about with the 90s movies is that I think that since 1990, audiences have become a lot smarter and have come to expect a lot more. Mm -hmm. Because of Netflix and Vimeo and independent film and audiences are challenged, and I think movies aren't as spoon-fed as they used to be. For example, uh, some of my favorite Arnold movies, um, I was watching The Running Man, and his name is Ben Richards. And I'm like, so you expect me to believe that this man who is six foot six and has an obvious Austrian accent is some corn fed boy from Ohio? So then I started thinking about other names that Arnold's had in movies <clears throat> in the 90s. So we had Joe, John three times, Mark, Ben, Doug, Jack, Harry, Alex, Howard, Adam, Gordy. And I don't think that would work anymore. I think that screenwriters no. would be like, yeah, no one's going to buy that shit.
3: Well, it's just like with um, the Hunt for Red October, having Sean Connery. Play a Russian, but then also with the uh, well, um, oh. know, what is it? Now I can't remember the n- Highlander. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, like you know, I don't nothing. I don't. watch he's Huggish? Watch this strange Was like really, <laughs> really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if the, if that was just something that was over the top, intentional, like their wink at the camera. Moment. Yeah, it's like, God. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so too. Wow, right?
3: it's a fourth wall break inside of a fourth wall break. That's like sixteen walls. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh my God, Highlander. You also
3: got to remember, Red Hot Hunt for Red, Red Hot October, October <laughs> would be a great. Hun-
4: Seriously, sounds, Red sounds Hot October. October. There we go. Better well,
3: than Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you got to remember the beginning, though, too, where they're all speaking Russian and you get closer and then you pull out and they're speaking American. Mm-hmm. That, that's their way of getting around doing
3: subtitles. Well, I know that uh, they did that with the Valkyrie. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Tom Cruise did such a terrible German accent. They said, nope, nope. D- okay, okay. No German accents. We're gonna make everybody's either just just speak how you do, and that's why I ended up having all the Germans be British guys, which was great. Yeah, I got that movie just confused me. I'm like, wait a minute, who is who in this?
2: <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like Total Recall, then you don't really know who's on which side.
3: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I don't care whose side we're on.
2: Just something explode already. Mm-hmm. That's
0: one thing I, I always appreciated about the original is that it was um, more even – at, even at the end, it's still kind of one of those choose-your-own-adventure endings. And I think the scene that defines that whole idea – in the 1990 version, it's the scene where the doctor comes in and tries to get uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character to take the pill to bring him out of the dream – and just, like, the whole setup of that scene. I, I typically do, like, psychological mind benders, though. Mm-hmm. And, like, my fiancé hates them. And, and that's fine. And if you don't like that sort of uh, plot, then you're not going to like this one either. So we'll Never just... watch
3: anything by David Cronenberg. Yeah, <laughs>
0: seriously. And then in this one, they did it with um, that guy, Bokeem. He was in Fargo. That black guy who played uh, yeah. Colin Farrell's best friend.
3: God, talk about shows. That show, yeah, is I know, amazing. I know.
0: I had dreams about that show. That was like game changer for sure.
3: Yeah, that's like the Game of Thrones of the Midwest. Kind I of. know, man. <laughs> every
0: every episode, you could pause it at any point. And be like, that is a still I would hang up on my wall proudly. Mm-hmm. The do fact too. that they made it mm, so like, good. It's that's a reboot, right? Yeah. Let's let's yeah.
3: do well, it. It's, it's relevant. relevant. It's literally, literally like they cloned whatever that essence that the Coen Brothers has. Yeah, and put it into a TV show. And each season is completely different from the last. Yeah. And I, I don't know how they do it, but it's just unbelievable. I was, Absolutely unbelievable. I was well, so happy
2: to see it get such good reviews. Oh, yeah. It's kind of difficult to categorize that, too, because going back to the comic book argument, so you had, obviously, a Daredevil film, but then you have the Daredevil television series, which is
4: completely
3: oh, different. That's so good. That's like every single book best episode of any Law & Order show and plug it in and then it's 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 not even a superhero oriented. Like it hardly is. It's so, it's just like uh, Captain America Civil War was more of a, or not Captain America Civil Winter. War, Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier was so much more of a Cold War era espionage movie than it was anything to do with superheroes and I think that, that threw people off because it like what or just what happened? was this? Yeah. Isn't,
2: there, isn't there supposed
3: to be a giant monster destroying the world right now?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well, actually, thinking about something real quick and just kind of going back to um, kind of Total Recall and Minority Report, I know we were joking about, you know, hey, what if they did, you know, part one and part two of Total Recall? Um, see, they could do something interesting with a series like that because they just did that with Minority Report. Do you see that they actually made that into a show?
0: No. Yeah, yeah,
3: Minority Report Yikes. was turned into a show, and it followed the three, um... I like Minority Report. I shouldn't yeah, say the, with the my judging... Yeah, the pre Yeah, It follows their story before they got dumped into bathtubs and turned into guinea pigs. That's really cool. And it was, yeah, it was a cool idea. I didn't get to see the show, and it looked a a, a lot more vibrant and kind of lighthearted than the actual movie was, and I would have kind of liked to have seen it follow more of the movie route where it was, you know, dark. Mm-hmm. Um, it it came off a little bit like uh, Elementary, the the kind of American version mm-hmm. of Sherlock, and I was kind of like, eh. And then they did that with Limitless, too. Limitless was, was a t- movie. Oh, I, I
0: did see that. Yeah,
3: and I heard that kind of tanked, but yeah, there's, there's options where you can take a movie, and now I guess, that, I don't know if they're just trying to rake in money, or if they just think that somebody might find it interesting, but yeah, something like Minority Report and turning that into a series... You could do something like that with Total Recall, to where maybe not following um, the 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 2012 version, but imagine taking the 1990 version and seeing how they uh, colonize Mars,
4: Uh
3: you know, Hmm. and doing that, and where the idea of recall came from. Like maybe it started out as some sort of military experiment, and then turned into. Like there's a whole lot of different ways. Yeah, to go
0: or with you that. could like follow someone's uh, vacation package. Yeah, gone <laughs> oh, wrong. Yeah.
2: Well, plus two. I'm, I mean, they've they've done that with another <laughs> Philip K. Dick property, which is uh, the Man in the High Castle. So I think his work kind of lends itself to that because he had this sense of paranoia that came across. So a lot of times you're wondering if what the character is perceiving is actually reality and outside of that like if you uh, if you go back and read do androids dream of electric sheep which is the basis for blade runner mm-hmm. he has uh, all of this different technology and you get bits and pieces of it but if you had an entire even if it was just a mini series to just explore some of those uh, smaller things that come up you could probably you know make so many of those and have people totally enthralled just because well, we are used to the Hollywood system. It seems like with Netflix, they're kind of breaking away from just, oh, well, here's the 90-minute, you know, Cliff Notes version of the story where you really didn't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And here were these couple of cool things with, like, well, the Total Recall remake. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we do see a lot more of that where you can take something like um, what Daredevil is doing, but with different things, like complete novels where they're making – you know, a complete series out of a novel, and it's actually faithful to it, and sometimes maybe even improves on some of the mm-hmm. aspects of it. That's the thing about uh-huh. Philip K. Dick. He he had some very strong work, but then there's some stuff you'll read where, like, I have no idea what's going on, and I don't really know if I want to know what's going on because I'll, I'll forgive <laughs> yeah. him for drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I immediately feel
0: bad this. for crapping on Blade Runner <laughs> two and three. Did you read either of the other two ones? No. The second one, the basic plot was that it turned out that Pris was human, and so Deckard is ostracized from the Blade Runner squad, and he's, like, ostracized from society, and he has to survive based on his Blade Runner uh, wit. The third Blade Runner book is uh, Deckard being a creative consultant on the movie adaptation of the first book. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I don't know how to.
3: Okay. I don't know how to take that.
0: But when I when I think about reboots and remakes, it reminds me. I get the. I get a very similar mentality when somebody tells me about a really cool cover band, yeah. and it's kind of a double-edged sword. Where it's like, oh, you like the Kinks? Well, then you're gonna like this band that tries really hard to be the Kinks. <laughs> and it's like, you know, on the one hand, yeah, I really want to see the Total Recall movie because I really like the original Total Recall, but. It's also probably, you know, you're going to walk in with your arms crossed, and this director not only has to win you over to the
2: point where you're okay to watch it, but actually sell you on the film itself. Well, plus two, sometimes you'll have the opposite dynamic. I haven't made a list related to this idea, but you'll watch a movie, and you may be familiar with that specific property uh, if it's based on different source material, and you'll say, Man, somebody needs to reboot that almost immediately like Fantastic Four. One I yeah. put on my list was Spawn. Like, you look uh-huh. at the Spawn movies, just like, you could have done so many different things with this yeah. that were awesome, and this is what you
3: chose to do. <laughs> but now, now they can get away with so much. I mean, they've made successful rated R superhero movies, and now they can do it with the technology. That would. I mean, that's a movie that has to... I don't even think they should, I think they should still get What's-His-Name to play Spawn. I yeah think... uh jay white yeah don't change yeah. it he should yeah, still he could be come strong. back
2: he's still in great shape i mean he's oh, still yeah. in tons of stuff he's not like a household name or anything but he could come back and do it i mean i've heard the same argument for blade which was more successful at least the first one arguably the second one um that well Wussy <clears> he snipes who's probably still broke is peti- petitioning to be blade but
3: um, yeah didn't they okay so the was the first and second one done by Guillermo del Toro, or is it only the second one? No, only the second one. I okay, because, I mean, yeah, it's, you, you had David S. Goyer and Guillermo del Toro doing the second one, and that, you know, arguably was a really good movie, uh, especially because it was so stylized, but I don't know. I think getting back to the, the remake and the sequel thing, have you noticed that this seems to be... I, I don't know what you would call it, but we're, we're getting into the era of... Um, twenty-year sequels, like movies mm-hmm. that came mm-hmm. out from a long time ago, and I mean, twenty years isn't a long time, but I mean, it's it's enough for there to be a gap to where these, suddenly all these sequels are popping mm-hmm. up of, of these movies that are like you know you like the first one you remember how cool that was guess what there's a sequel coming out especially with, with the, their...
0: especially with the horror like Dawn of the Dead yeah, yeah uh, and know. the Nightmare on Elm Street the Friday the Thirteenth.
3: No, yeah. Trolls Two—that's what did it right. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ben loves Troll
2: Two. I could, I could just go on and on about how great Troll Two is. I like—that's right? probably as oh, far as one-two combos go with um, the movie itself, and then a documentary about a movie. Oh yeah, totally, hands down. I don't really know how many documentaries about movies are even out there in general, but well, seem no, to be a Disaster Artist.
3: Some movies yeah. that are just so like. You wonder, where were they going with trying to make a sequel to that? like um, Something like, uh, oh, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, making a sequel to a movie like that, and having uh, George Clooney in it. He was in a a bunch of B-horror movies. Yeah, he was, and he was great in them. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I like to think that they had a sense of humor from the beginning, like from the start of the first movie. They're like, let's make this stupid movie, kind of as a joke, at... Was more popular than they thought. It kind of took off. And they're like, we have enough money to make a second one.
3: Yeah, I kind of wonder if that's where they went with. Um, I'm hoping Batman and Robin. They're like, eh, this is technically a B horror movie. Uh, Let's get George Clooney in it.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm afraid not on that one. I can't remember who directed that. Oh, it's Schumacher. was yeah. that one Schumacher? Yep. Yeah,
2: he I did thought both he both just did
0: Batman and Batman Forever. Yeah. Nope.
2: He did both of them. Oh man, like with Troll Two though, there weren't even trolls. <laughs> no, in <laughs> the movie. Goblins. When and if like, they're
1: gonna eat her? Then they're gonna eat me! Oh my god!
2: <laughs> Plus two. It, it's like I was saying before. Like with Hellraiser, uh, stylistically and tone-wise, it's so different. If you watch Troll, which is pretty terrible and not in a <laughs> haha I'm laughing way, except for some of the effects, because yeah. you can tell. Oh, these trolls are just like puppets, and they're all in these plants, and it, it's like bizarre. <laughs> and maybe if you were under the influence of something, it'd be. A lot more enjoyable but i think troll 2 with all of its you know disaster elements is great just because of that mm-hmm. so if there are more remakes like that where they want to like remake gone with the wind but i don't know add zombies and yeah um maybe put maybe throw the kraken in there i don't know <laughs> yeah well, well i never
0: i never saw uh, how uh pride and prejudice with zombies did see, in the theaters the, um... I I, I, I hope it did pretty well.
3: Abraham Lincoln it... Vampire Hunter was I thought that was really really well done. Yeah, I loved, that, that was one. a great idea. It was almost too good because when I saw it, I was like ready to be like, yeah, popcorn and soda. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a really bad movie that I'm gonna enjoy, and it ended up being such a good concept and idea, and it was intelligent. And I was like, um, I don't know what to think of this now. This ended up being. Uh, Okay, I need I need to go home and rethink my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's happening? Totally, that's a dangerous line too, because it'd be easy to go too off the wall and go too yeah. crazy. It's like, okay, I, I thought Hansel and Gretel was good, but um... see, that
3: was the, that that was exactly what I expected when I saw that. It was cheesy, it was campy, and it was absolutely Van Helsing ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The vampire hunter, like that that got into some real deep thought-provoking, you know metaphors and stuff and i was like oh jeez well uh, whoa i hadn't thought of it that way um yeah i i'd be interested to see what pride and prejudice and zombies would end up being like because that you know those i've heard those books are real i mean they gotta be real well written because they're making them into you know some pretty uh twilight
4: well you gotta That's true. Okay. Yeah, you gotta
0: These assume they're not <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can turn crap into gold really easily. And then yeah, the well, gold
2: you... will glow from the vampires.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well you can great. assume they're not
0: trying to uh market to the Jane Austen <laughs> no, fan base. Although uh my fiance loves uh Pride and Prejudice and she hates horror movies and will for sure watch that one. Have you guys so, thanks, got... Hollywood.
3: Well have you guys gotten to read um Somebody basically made a new hope into a Shakespeare. Oh, oh no. Oh,
0: it's amazing.
3: I thought you are going to say that Radiohead
0: thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so about the, um, cover, the, the cover band theory, it seems like with uh, the remakes, like the True Blue remakes, the, the first question is, are we trying to make this as close to the original as possible, which is how I feel about Psycho? Yeah. which I like Vince Vaughn and mm-hmm. obviously I love and respect Psycho but they seems like they really tried to do that like as close to shot for shot as possible so that's one approach and you have your pros and cons or you can have the basic plot but mess with the story you know like the cover like there's a band called Apocalyptica and it's a quartet it's a classical music quartet and they're a Metallica oh, yeah. cover band mm-hmm. and so like the bones are there and the skeleton is there,
3: and it's interesting when you bring that up and hearing something that like like you said an a cappella metal group like doing something like that, it's almost that's where you can get those pros and cons because if you do it that's it's like beat for beat for beat an identical remake. There's kind of a nostalgia that like if you go and you see a really good Led Zeppelin cover band and they are spot on and you never got to see them in concert, you can almost have the same experience in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I but then there is saying. the threat of it just you know, having some guys who are, you know, beer guts and t shirts and be like, eh, we're the uh the Zeps and then mm-hmm. they're just terrible. Or you can also do that to where um hearing it at a different a like I I I have listened to several different pop songs that were played with just cellos and violins and I'm like, man, that is beautiful. That is an amazing piece of music once you throw out the auto tune, but then again, with some remakes, just like Total Recall, it can it can veer the other direction. You know, yeah. some things are just not meant to be tampered with. So, it is a very fine line. Figure that out. Like with the 2013
2: Evil Dead remake, I really enjoyed it oh, yeah. because yeah. I didn't expect them to go the route of no, the actual first Evil Dead movie, not Evil Dead Two. As in, we're trying to throw a humor. We're just like, no, we're gonna do a Blood and Guts and Gore horror film, which is kind of hard to do in this day and age because you see the trailer and you're like, oh, this is going to be like all the other ones that they're just crapping out and there aren't going to be any legitimately cool scenes. And I'm just going to leave unfulfilled. And I was surprised pleasantly oh, I was by
3: that one. Very happy with it. And wow. not only that, like visually, it's yeah. so stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, And uh, we we actually did a lot of research on Effects. They were adamant about using as little CGI in that movie as possible, and wanted to just go straight, hardcore, balls of the walls, practical effects. And, you, and it shows. You can tell. Oh yeah.
0: Maybe not to everybody, but I mean, it. it when I when I see a, a reboot or a remake that's shot for shot style, it strikes me as somebody was very very lazy, and somebody was too scared to. Uh,
3: Try something different. Try something
0: different, whether it was the studio or the screenwriter or director. You know, like I think that would have been the easiest way to uh, ruin Star Wars if it was... And some people argue that it was too similar, but they could have made it a lot more... Because there's a very... Especially with Star Wars, there's a very obvious formula. There's a very definable list of ingredients of why Star Star Wars works and, and why it continues to work. You know, somebody could have said, well, let's just use this same recipe... And I think uh, that would have been the first way to destroy it because it's somebody that's scared and, and they're too afraid to challenge themselves and, you know, to challenge audiences too. Yeah,
3: that's definitely not J.J. J. Abrams. That guy is just, he's a master at what he does. But
0: Although, t- Ben pointed this out, the
2: lens flares in
0: Total oh, Recall are man. insane. Oh, they're obnoxious. There's it's literally
3: just... one in every
2: shot. It's like, where is it? Okay, so I know it's it's set in a different time and... Uh, I guess you could say it's a futuristic version of the world we live in now. But my question was, where is this light coming from constantly? <laughs> is there somebody off camera with like a
3: flashlight? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, that's, that's going th- to
1: recall cool. I'll
2: join well, I know you. that it's um, called
3: future halogen. J.J. Abrams <laughs> did that when he was on set for Star Trek. That he actually had. He's like, nope, no more lens flares. And his but wife he, called him on it. But it, it still worked in a way with what he was trying to do. Um, I gotta say that guy really knows how how things in space work.
4: Uh-huh. Like,
3: there's a lot of movies where you're, like, you're hearing the explosions, but every time he'd do it, there'd be an explosion and all of a sudden be dead quiet. And you'd feel that, and that impact of, like, the air just getting sucked out of a room. Like, wow. That... He really did his, you know, homework on how, you know, the physics of things work. I just remembered one thing really quick as far as a good sequel, prequel kind of deal. John Carpenter's The Thing and the prequel to that still unbelievable. I thought what they did with that as a prequel taking place like right before the events um, in the 1981, 1982? 81, I think. A version of the film. It was, I think it was 82. They... Uh, yeah. And talking about the practical effects that they used in oh, that God. too. Did you ever watch the behind-the-scenes footage of that stuff? I thought all of that was CGI and then they showed how they built that all movie. all the monsters. They built all of it. Oh, and yeah. And it was just... Haunting to see that. I was like, ugh, the fact that they were able to do that that well. Um, that that's just one of those things where they they came up with a new original story that still kind of followed John Carpenter's, but they still made it their own. Oh yeah. Um, and I think he probably watched that and was like, man, I wish I had the tech that they used today well, to do my version then. Yeah,
0: even the little the the little touches like at one point somebody slams an axe into the wall. And in the 1982 version, uh, McGreddy pulls it out of the wall. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, that's where that fucking axe came from.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Speaking of horror masters and remakes, I really wish this one would have happened because it would have been Wes Craven remaking his own film. But I think this was maybe a couple of years before he passed away, he was talking about how he wanted to remake Shocker. Oh my God. Here's (laughs) how how I see that working, though. Netflix show, that's my vote. Here's how I see that working, though. So just imagine him, the shocker, (laughs) being able to jump (laughs) into the internet. Mm. Because when, I I can't remember the, the year that came out. Did I write that down? I didn't. I don't remember when that came out. I know it was the earlier 90s. And just imagine this guy who's been sent to the electric chair, electrocuted, and now he is able to jump in the internet and kill people that way. Now, that could be something. Oh, yeah. yeah as long yeah. as you did it right, the only problem is, I, I feel now with the, the way the studio systems work, you'd probably have maybe a 10 to 15% chance of getting the right team together to nail the tone on that one. Because yeah, they, they'd it's... probably make it like way too serious or try to make it like The Grudge or something. And the thing mm-hmm. is, it
3: gets really... I mean, there are so many different fun things. And Wes Craven was so good at making a scary movie that... Refused to take itself seriously, um, and with something like that, it would have such a, a kitschy kind of feel to, like, scream with all these, you know, teenagers and stuff with cell phones. There's <laughs> so much you can
2: do with that. It's like Shocker, you know, he can jump into. I mean, he'd be able to, you know, beam himself into somebody's phone. So it's just like they're looking at something on YouTube, and I could just imagine him running up through and then just jumping through the phone. Just scenes like that in my mind. You're like, oh, that'd
1: be such a great idea, but Hollywood would ruin it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think the biggest thing about, like, remakes is they make a really good film, and then they drop the ball by putting, the, like, a remake to it. It's like if you look at Total Recall as just a movie without Total Recall.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
1: a good movie. It's a good sci-fi movie.
0: Yeah,
3: that's a good point. If you took out the title and called it something like a, uh, um, the Drop or something mm-hmm. like that. If you call it the Drop the and, or like the Fall, that's you're right. I mean that, that could that could be on its own a really cool standalone movie. And I don't think anyone would. If if you do it right, people would look at it and go, "Yeah, I see some some things in there." But the fact that it does say Total Recall, people are like. Ah, see where they stole that from. Ah, yeah. See where they get that from. And imagine how much money
0: they could have saved by not uh getting the acquiring the rights to the just the name. So we're gonna end with some uh trivia. One of the few films ever that has an entire cast and crew of all men, the only woman involved in in front of the camera or behind the camera is a female voice as a computer voice. But there's only like Three in existence with all male cast and crew. You Uh have to tell me what it is. And I'll even give you a hint. It's from 1982. Screenwriters, financiers, script supervisors.
3: And you said there's how many of these? There's only like
0: three or four. This
3: one's 1982. All right, I got three. Okay. Wild guess.
0: (laughs) Okay. You want to go first? Read your three.
3: All right, so I got... You said 1982. I, I don't know if this is correct, but John Carpenter's The Thing. I know we talked about that. The Great Escape... And uh, Flight of the Phoenix, the original, with uh, Jimmy Stewart and... Uh, Three the, very uh, excellent guesses. My Mine's the
1: thing. I also put the thing. It is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> and Great
0: Escape was another one, so good job for that. Okay, cool.
2: My question was, which movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had the best opening weekend at the domestic box office, with the tiebreaker being... How much did it gross in its hmm. opening weekend? There's Wait, an in Marvel its...
3: Cinematic Universe or all Marvel movies altogether?
2: Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Do we have answers?
3: Do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, I put Age of Ultron with
0: 459 million. Dakota.
3: Yeah, I had the the first Avengers with uh, I think it was like 500 million or something like that, or it was close, 350 million. I don't know, in between five. <laughs>
1: Jesse, Uh, Mine was the same as Dakota's Same number too It was the Avengers
2: The first Avengers And Ah. it was 207,348,000 My first
3: guess was going to be 150 But then I was like that doesn't seem low
2: (laughs) I know that um, I think Civil War was about At 180 It's like Mm -hmm. 179 And then um, Age of Ultron I think was in the 190s.
3: Yeah, cuz I remember they were talking about people were like, you know, whoa, Batman versus Superman wasn't such a good movie the wise mar, you know, civil war or not. It's like, guys, calm down. It's 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 a weekend, it's a box office. Who cares? Yeah. That's
0: not going to gauge the movie. So, uh, my last question, in 1939, there was a film that came out called The Wizard of Oz. The lowest paid actor on set was Toto, the dog. What was his weekly salary? You good? Ben? How much did Toto get paid? Five bucks. Five bucks a week?
3: I said ten dollars. Dakota? I don't know. I was gonna say fifty, but then I realized it's nineteen thirty nine and it's MGM. So I'll go with a solid twenty five. Toto got paid a hundred and twenty five dollars a week. Yeah, Damn I should have said it was fifty.
2: That dog that dog makes more money than I do. Exactly. Seriously
0: so thanks for uh following along with us hopefully you're still listening you can hear the rest of our podcast episodes at soundcloud.com slash movie show theater itunes anywhere you get your podcasts check out our Facebook page because we want you to leave suggestions of what movies you think we should talk about. We can come up with movies for years, but we want to do what you want to hear. So whatever movie it is, good or bad, especially if it's bad, we're going to do it. That's all there is to it. We're just going to do it. So thanks again. And until next time, stay movies.